Hi, and welcome to another episode of Lawson and Creamer's Legal Coaching Podcast. My name is Kelly Van Buskirk, and I'm here with my law partner, Mel Norton. Mel, today we are going to introduce a portion of an interview that we did with Howard Levitt. Perhaps you could tell our uh, listeners a little bit about Howard. Well, Howard is a, a lawyer originally from Steeltown, Hamilton, Ontario. He's practiced most of his career in Toronto. He has a national practice. Howard wrote literally the book on employment law, the first uh, first textbook on employment law in Canada he wrote. To say he is a feisty litigator <laughs> is an understatement by a mile. Um, right. Kelly, you referenced in the past a bit of a description of what Howard is like, and, and maybe you could share that with our guests. Sure. Well, this struck both of us because we've had numerous experiences litigating against Howard over the years. And so when we saw this phrase in a national newspaper, we thought it was quite appropriate and introduced him as Howard Levitt. He's like bringing a bazooka to a gunfight. <laughs> and he sure is. He is. He's, and I've, you know, personally been on the receiving end of the bazooka shells. So, <laughs> but you know what? I think, I think with Howard, he's a person who brings a lot of energy to every aspect of his yeah, life. Yeah. He's just one of those colorful, charismatic, characters that, you know, is hard to not notice. He's hard to, in our view, at least not like. Yeah, that's, that's right. I mean, I remember years ago, him coming to St. John for cases that you, you had started against him. And he, uh, he was a bit intrigued by St. John and immediately found Handworks Gallery on King Street and immediately had to buy some local New Brunswick art. And he got into the city. And even recently when he was back to visit uh, for another case, he remarked on the beauty of the city. So he's got, a, I think, a bit of a soft spot for, uh, for some St. Johners and St. John generally. And do you remember meeting him in Ottawa years ago? And this I remember distinctly. It was approaching Christmas time. He had forgotten to buy some gifts for a number of different people. And I remember him in the backseat of a taxi with us ordering cases of wine from California. <laughs> but he is just one of those real unusual and likable characters. Yeah, absolutely. So he, look, he's going to talk today about one aspect of employment law, and that is you know, dealing with disability and disabilities that sometimes arise through workplace harassment issues. Yeah. He's going to talk a little bit about poisonous workplaces. And these are all topics that are tough for employers to deal with, tough for the employees that are experiencing them. And he'll he'll be able to, uh, I think, give you a, a bit of a a bit of a national perspective because his practice does span coast to coast, not just in Ontario. Right. And, and that's a great point because for employers here in New Brunswick, they might think that they're the only ones who are trying to deal with this barrage of legal regulations and legal challenges, really, that come up in the course of employing people. But employers across Canada are going through very similar issues. They're dealing with the same kinds of problems. And these are two of the big ones, uh, managing uh, employee disability issues and managing your workplace culture can be polluted with harassment and sexual harassment, even violence. And we know that the statistics around those issues are significant and really a little bit frightening. Yeah, we put to him the question around uh, the Me Too movement and the impact 
that that's had on the law, not just obviously in the United States and some of the criminal prosecutions that have, have come out of that, but also in terms of, of the Canadian experience and what that's uh, done for employers and what that's uh, caused employees to think about. And that's something, I mean, you see that in your practice, I think, Kelly. Right. And I think, you know, instinctively, lots of employers say, look, all of this legal regulation, all of these legal requirements are drowning me. But what people as employers have to stop and recognize is that those regulations can be used to your advantage in order to help create the kind of environment that's more productive, mm-hmm. more safe for your employees, and and more profitable. Yeah, and that that reframing that you're talking about right there, like flipping over the perspective, don't look at it as an onerous thing. Look at it as an opportunity to increase the productivity. I mean, I think all of the you do a lot of research and studying in this area, and I think all the research and studies indicate that these kind of healthy workplaces are more productive. They're the more profitable ones, if you want to look at it from that perspective. They're the ones that retain employees longer, which again is another cost saving. It's another way to remain more profitable and be more successful ultimately as an enterprise. Right. So as we listen to Howard in this portion of his full interview that that we did with him, uh, he'll give some really good advice and some really good thoughts on how employers can deal with these two challenges. Off to Howard then. Thanks, Mel. I wonder if um, if I can switch gears with you for a few minutes from the labor side to the employment side. And some of the cases that you've been involved with are some of the, the cases that receive the most publicity. They're some of the most uh, cited cases. They're some of the most uh, really famous cases for those that, that are in the HR world and, and in the legal world. I, but I wonder if they're right now, you know, as you as you look at sort of the changing landscape uh, over the last two or three years, and we've we've had things like the Me Too movement and harassment in the workplace issues becoming front and center with uh, with legislation requirements. Do you see there being two or three really really topical or or hot issues, the ones that employers are really concerned about, whether it's uh, marijuana in the workplace with the legalization? Are there two or three of those topics that? that when your clients are coming to you, they're, they're asking about most frequently and they're asking for advice uh, most often on? Well, some things have changed and some things haven't changed. One thing that hasn't changed over the last decade, and it's just as big an issue now as it was then, is disability issues mm-hmm. and employees who play the disability card when in the employer's view, and probably most cases the truth, they're not actually disabled. But everybody is so afraid of pushing on someone who claims to be disabled, they back off, and employees who are lazy to begin with just claim, call to be sick all the time, and everybody else knows they're not really sick, and therefore it motivates them, or they play the same game, and and that's a, and of course, you can be tough in terms of requiring accountability for ill employees and forcing them to come to work in jobs that are modified, that fit their actual functionalities and limitations. And employers have to be able to push back like that or require doctor's notes or require them to see a defense medical. Not obviously every time anybody phones in sick, but the people who are appearing to abuse a system like coming in and phoning in sick every Tuesday after the Monday of a long weekend or every Thursday before a long weekend or whatever the case may be. That's one issue that's intractable and has always been an issue. The second issue, which I think is becoming increasingly an issue, and perhaps 
at least to an extent, it's a flow through from Me Too, which is all about sexual harassment, and that is generic workplace harassment, where people are quick to shout poison work environment, toxic workplace, or other similar analogous slogans when they just feel they're not being treated right. And of course, as you know, Mel, uh, performance management is not a constructive dismissal and is not a poison environment if done appropriately, although employees may think they're being picked on. And it could be a toxic workplace if two people are doing the same thing and one person is being beaten up or something another person is getting no flack at all for doing. So it can be, but even in the workers' compensation legislation, occupational safety legislation, they always make an exception for performance management in terms of harassment. And there's a lot of very sensitive snowflakes out there who don't <laughs> take much pushing before they consider themselves harassed. And employers get very nervous about those expressions. And a lot of people attracted to HR think that way to begin with. So they're not really doing their employer much of a job by enforcing workplace discipline because they back off so quickly at any sign of sensitivity. Mm-hmm. But that's probably the biggest thing I'm seeing right now mm-hmm. in terms of HR's intractable issues. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the occupational health and safety legislation. We've seen some changes, certainly in other provinces, not in New Brunswick at this point, but in uh, Ontario and uh, I think Manitoba and Alberta, where there are requirements around employers and employees cooperating in that disability sphere in terms of the return to work. And in fact, pretty potent incentives or disincentives for cooperating. And if you don't cooperate as an employee, having benefits quickly reduced, do you see that part of the disability Uh, management side of things or the occupational health and safety or workers' compensation helping or hindering or or do you have a sense of where that's going on the horizon? Well, I don't see much evidence of it. I mean, the reality is that the Court of Canada has said the duty to accommodate is as much the employee's duty as the employer's duty. They have to work with the employer and cooperate and not take the perfect accommodation, just any accommodation that's reasonable. That's, That's the law everywhere in Canada judicially prescribed, not legislatively prescribed. But no, I don't see employers doing much with that. Generally speaking, they find it easier just to back off and not be accused of being tough on a disabled employee. So Mel, that was Howard Levitt, one of Canada's most prominent, most experienced labor and employment lawyers. As you mentioned, the the guy who wrote the book really on uh, the law of dismissal in Canada telling us about two important issues for employers. We have other episodes with Howard that canvas some additional issues that employers will find interesting. But what are your takeaways from these discussions today? I think two things uh, strike me. One is that in spite of the amount of time that's that's passed in my own relatively brief practice and, and your, your longer practice of law, some of these issues, uh, particularly disability issues, remain really challenging for employers and uh, continues to be an evolving uh, and tricky area for employers to deal with. And then I think the second big takeaway for me is uh, that the law tends to be impacted, at least in some respect, by what's happening in the world around us. And, you know, the Me Too movement is a great example of 
of something that you know started on social media, started from a, a New Yorker article, really, right? And all of a sudden is influencing and impacting the relationships with employers and employees right across the country. And so, if you're in this world, either as an employer or an employee or an HR professional or or providing advice in in this field, you really do have to not just be aware of what's perhaps happening in the courts and what's happening with cases, but have a radar and an eye to the broader social context that we're in. Great point. I think it was Barack Obama who said, the law is really memory. It's a record of a nation arguing with its own conscience. Mm. And uh, I miss that guy, by the way, mm. Barack Obama. But I think that you know here, what you've talked about is simply that. We see now where the law has caught up with the social reality of sexual harassment mm -hmm. and harassment in general. Mm -hmm. Finally, the law is taking this problem on yeah. as a means of trying to address it and resolve it. Yeah, I can't help but when you hear conversations like this with Howard and you think about these issues, you're probably like me, you can't help but think about cases where you've represented people, and I think mostly of the individual employees who are caught in these circumstances. And the circumstances, by times, they, they blow my mind and blow my imagination that, that certain workplaces can devolve to a point where conduct that is literally barbaric, lit, just awful, inconceivable behavior, especially in a, in a country, in a province like New Brunswick, where you think, well, we're all neighbors, we're all friends, and people behave in extraordinarily bad ways uh, yeah. from time to time. And it devastates people. We've seen that, mm -hmm. whether we're representing employees or an employer in a particular case, we've seen the devastation that that kind of yeah. poison culture leaves. And it's not just an effect on a person while they're at work, it's an effect that they take home, it ends up spilling over into their personal lives, mm -hmm. it's contagious. It you know, it's it ends up being caught, you know, and affecting their spouses and their children. Yeah. This is a, you know, a massive problem. It's a problem that we've both felt yeah. really badly for people about over the years. And, and this is not necessary either. No. Um, in 2015, there was an international study done of school bullying. And it was a study done in the top 37 countries in the world. And surprisingly, Canada ranked seventh. In other words, one of the top worst bullying countries in the world among school children. Wow. You wouldn't have thought that, but that's how it is. We have to, as a society, really reflect on that. Yeah. We have to think about how we're treating the people next to us, Absolutely. why we're doing that, and how we can improve. Yeah, I mean, the cost of that to society, I mean, you touched on the family and on the employment side. and. I mean, the cost to society generally in terms of people needing to access the Medicare system because they need psychological help, they need psychiatric help, they need medical help, the lost hours that people have to take off from uh, volunteering and supporting other activities, other nonprofit volunteer activities in their communities. There's an enormous social cost that is hidden and often goes probably untalked about that comes as a result of this kind of behavior that is in the workplace, but spills over, to your point, into so many other aspects of society. Right. So for employers and for employees, because under most provincial legislation, employees are also tasked now with standing up for their coworkers, mm -hmm. people who can't necessarily advocate for themselves. And so for everyone involved in 
employment in Canada for all the stakeholders. This is a really important topic and it's something that everybody has to think about and not just think about, but actively engage in. Yeah, absolutely. So we're lucky to have this discussion with Howard Levitt. He is, as I mentioned before, one of the most experienced and most successful labor and employment lawyers in Canada. He's our good friend. We find him always entertaining and always energetic and inspiring in a number of ways. So we hope you'll look up Howard Levitt at uh, levittllp.com. And we hope you'll listen to other episodes of our podcast that feature Howard. Absolutely. Thank you for listening, everyone. Thanks. Thanks.